brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Screen Heroes, your TV and film podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am Derek, your regular weekly host, and I have with me one of my lovely hosts, Ryan. And I'm not regular. Hello. (laughs) And uh, normally, I would say, and my other lovely host, Ray, but she is under the weather this evening, so she is not going to join us this week, but she will be back because we will do more of these like we have been doing. This is episode 194. Getting close. We're getting there. We're getting to 200. I'm looking forward to that. Um, And this week, uh, we are going to be talking a lot of news. We've got some entertainment news to cover. We'll be talking about The Last of Us movie, or TV series, excuse me, some James Wan dabbling in horror flicks, Um, and we also will be talking about the 15th anniversary of the Keanu Reeves Constantine film from 2005. So that's what we'll be talking about here 15th today. 15th anniversary. That's what I said. This year. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh. In case people hadn't put that together. Gotcha. Yes. yes. This is the 15th anniversary. So. Yeah. Technically, it was in February, but this was the first shot chance we really had to get to it. So Weird movie to release in February, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll talk. I guess we yeah. can talk about that. Um, some little housekeeping things. So first off, we, um, due to some health issues and concerns, have decided to cancel our upcoming Planet Comic Con panel, which was our MCU tournament. Um, if you've seen it before, it was going to be a similar kind of thing. But um, Ray and I will not be able to attend now, and we're not going to for the first time in how many years? Well, for me, I haven't missed it since 2012 or 2013, and then Ray's never missed one before. This is literally the first one she will ever miss from the very first year. So this is the 21st year, 22nd year, 21st, 21st year, and so she's never missed it. She was going as a kid, you know. Um, so. 
it's a bit of a bummer, but we also didn't want to just throw Ryan to the wolves. But you can still see Ryan at the Buster Props booth, mm-hmm. um, which will be exciting. Is there anything you want to like shout out I about mean, that? Nothing that I really want to make a big deal about because I don't want the mouse to come after me. But we're, we have some cool new stuff. Uh, <laughs> some cool things. Yeah, we have a certain green alien that likes to hang out with a certain bounty hunter. An armored friend. Yeah, he has an armored friend. <laughs> we have some of those that we're going to have there that are pretty cool. And then, yeah, just our normal our normal stuff. We're just going to be having a good time and uh, trying to make some money since the con is expensive. You know? <laughs> uh, same location as last year, yep, right? Same booth yeah. as last year. That's so cool. if you went last year, you'll find us easily. Yeah. So that will be uh, coming up um, March 20th, 21st, and 22nd. So that's in a couple of weeks. Next weekend. Yeah, next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that came up fast. Uh, so with that in mind, we will actually be taking two weeks off. Um, next week is off because Ryan needs to prep for the convention. Right. And then the week after, we will have off because it was supposed to be our panel that we were going to release and we will no longer be doing that. So we will actually be back in three weeks. So I apologize for the, the bit of a break there, but we will be back. And uh, if you want to talk to us in the meantime, you can go to our brand new Facebook forum, our Screen Heroes forum, facebook.com slash groups slash Screen Heroes and talk movies with us. We've been doing posts and polls and having conversations and posting photos from like behind talking the to our fans. And, you yeah. know, they tell me that I'm their favorite host and it's just <laughs> very flattering. Although I do feel a little bit bad for Derek and Rachel who don't really nobody really says they're their favorites. They don't tag them in the post or anything. So here's the thing. We have people who are listening enough to have a favorite, and that is good enough for me. Fair enough. I'm, okay. I'm all so about the team. Everybody, <laughs> don't be scared to tell Derek that I'm his, I'm your favorite host. Or either of them. Or Rachel. Are, yeah. Rachel's acceptable, too. But That's yeah, just fine. don't say Derek, because yeah. then I'll judge you. It's a team sport. There's no I in podcast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Everybody needs a tech guy. So that's true. And that's kind of that's that's mostly what I do here. Um, so, OK, so I think that's all of the the housekeeping things. Probably. Um, oh, no, wait, there's one more. There's one more. This is at least for now the last Twitch live stream that we're doing, because when we come back in a couple of weeks, we will actually be live streaming from the Facebook group. Uh, we think it's a more social atmosphere where people uh, are interacting on a daily basis. And so we're going to give that a shot. So if you haven't joined that group yet, please do so. So you can join us live on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern in the group live and chat with us during the show. OK, let's talk news. So first up, um, let's talk about the Batmobile. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So we got our first look at the. The Batman Batmobile from Robert Pattinson's movie. What are your thoughts, Ryan? You're you're like the you're the car expert of the podcast. I guess of the three of us, that's fair to say. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> far from an expert in real life, but uh, or outside of the podcast. Uh, I mean, it's cool. It's it's definitely something different. It seems like it's more of an homage to the '60s Batmobile than anything else, where they take like a real car and make it. Um, into a Batmobile. Now, this one is tough to say whether it was actually a real car. I mean, yeah. it probably was, at least a frame, but um, just like the 89 Batmobile was it was a real car at one point. They used the frame and and extended it and made it crazy. But, um, yeah, it's it's from a car standpoint, it's interesting because there's clearly an engine in the middle, mm-hmm. but then the hood has vents like it would be for cooling an engine. Right. Yeah. So it's... 
I'm curious if like it has a front engine like a normal car would, and then the mid engine is just for like the rocket afterburner that's on the back. Ooh, there you go. I like that. Um, idea. I'm not sure that's how rocket engines work, but you know, whatever. It's Batman, so, uh, it's Batman, so it just works. <laughs> Speed Force, bitch. You maybe know, that's maybe all you like know. wings will pop out, and that's how it flies. Maybe, it's yeah. Also, that's it's know? like the, the Dark Knight thing where it separates instead right. of separating to a motorcycle, it drops the car and just separates into a, a jet. I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, it's cool. It is. I, it's very cyberpunk, and it, I I mean that in a positive way. It looks really neat. It does. I mean, God, it certainly looks like it could have been a real car. It gives us more of a glimpse as to the aesthetic of the whole movie. I think yeah. that those pictures do, which is interesting. So. Yeah, it, I mean, it's got lots of like sharp angles. It just it's it looks really kind of cool. I want to see what color. I assume it's black, but you know, everything's kind of been shot in these like shades. Well, of the red. suit everybody thinks is black for some reason but then when you really zoom in on the uh on the bat suit from the stunt thing there's a lot of gray in there too so it's Mm -hmm. very gray and black maybe not so much as bat fleck but um so i wouldn't be surprised if there was some gray and black going on on the batmobile which would be nice break up the black a little bit yeah well, because you lose a lot of the detail if it's literally all one color. Yeah. Um, and you know, there were some people when when we saw that first headshot, the little mo- uh, motion of uh, Robert Pattinson in the in the cowl and everything. People thought because of the the red that it wasn't actually going to be black; it was going to be blue or something like that. And that that isn't the case. Did you ever think that that was the case? Uh, I didn't think. I hoped. Yeah, that, that was the case, fair. but I didn't really think it was legitimately going to be the case. But to be fair. Even in these shots, like there's some red tinting the the Batmobile shots. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we still can't really tell. I mean, <laughs> all we've seen is stunt in in the light. We've seen the stunt suit. Right. That's all we've seen. So yeah. it's hard to say. It's probably not though. It's definitely more of a gray and black, as far as we can tell. But this these shots did also give us the best look we've had so far at the actual Pattinson in the bat suit mm-hmm. and what it's supposed to look like, not just the stunt suit. I think it looks pretty good, personally. From what we can tell. I mean, and, it's not super clear still, yeah. but um, the silhouette is really good, so mm-hmm. that's that's very important. I do wonder, because you know, Marvel's kind of made this a thing now where a hero can have multiple suits, you know? so I wonder if maybe there will be iterations of I a mean, Batman I mean, Marvel suit. hadn't really made that a thing. I mean, we've all seen the Joel Schumacher Batman movies. and uh, Well, Batman it, and Robin, he switches, but that's really the only one where they switch in, in the movie. Okay, well, you know? they did that in that movie first before Marvel started that's doing true. it. That's so. true. Well, we'll get, we'll get to, to that type of thing when we talk about Constantine a little bit. Um, yeah. But... I just wonder if maybe because this is supposed to be his second year as Batman, if maybe we'll see like a proto suit type of situation in the beginning. I'm, I mean, a lot of the fans are hoping for that. I don't don't care. I don't, I'm not of the camp that everybody needs to upgrade their suit all the time. And if it looks good, then that's fine. Like Shazam. I thought his suit looked really cool. I don't think they need to do a different suit in the second one. They probably will. (laughs) But especially since he's kind of making the suit himself out of his mind, you know, it's hard to, you know, whatever. But in Batman's case, he's his whole thing is kind of based around his suit, and so having different uh, different suits for different situations makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes they can go overboard. I'm sure. Like when we were kids. Remember, there was like a bat suit for everything for the action figures. Yeah. You know, I mean, I had ones that had like zebra designs on it. I don't yeah, even know what that was Yeah, in case goes on a safari. <laughs> you know, so that, that was yeah. like for everything. I mean, I don't want them to go that route, obviously, but um, I'd be curious. It works well in some situations. Like, I think it looks works really well for like origin stories of Spider-Man, right? Because like how, you know, 
he's just a kid and he doesn't have any money. And I really liked it in uh, Watchmen, the, in the graphic novel, but then also translated to the big screen when you got to see um, Night Owl, mm. his suit, like what he normally does, but then he has a snow suit that's really awesome looking too. In the, in the graphic novel, that was actually my favorite of his suits, um, and it was really good in the movie too. But then also Rorschach just wears the exact same thing in the snow, so which is fine because <laughs> that fine. suits his character. He'd rather just die than wear right. anything else. Um, I think that you know says a lot about what they're thinking mentally, absolutely about the mission. You know, because I mean, we got an, uh, our, our final look at Black Widow, the, the final trailer for Black Widow. And we got some more looks at the suits, and they've got a segue. Uh, sort of a segue. <laughs> we'll pretend. We'll pretend I meant to talk okay. about this. Uh, but you can get better looks at the at their like snowsuit. Yeah. Um. And I mean, I think it actually looks pretty cool. I like that there's some pattern to it, and it's not just a solid color because that's mostly what she's worn is just the solid black suit. And there's nothing wrong with it, but it's cool to see something a little more detailed. But yeah, agreed. You know. Um. All right. So let's let's talk about The Last of Us. Did you play The Last of Us? I played about two hours of the last of us and then gave up on it why did you give up on it we've had this discussion before. we have i don't remember this yeah. yeah this isn't a video game podcast but the long and yeah, the short of it here, was so that we got, we... so nobody's gonna reel us in <laughs> uh, uh i didn't like the way the game felt i felt like the character was constantly moving in mud and it was it didn't it didn't feel like i don't know that's a weird gripe but i want it to feel like i'm actually you know i want the character to feel like he's moving in a realistic manner and i didn't feel like that was the case it always felt like Everything was moving extremely slow, and I mean that's kind of the main mechanic. So I feel it's like not it's not the fine. pacing. Yeah, it wasn't the pacing that I like in a game, and it just I didn't. I don't know. Nothing was really clicking for me, which was a shame because John, who used to be on Gamer Heroes, it's one of his favorite games of all time, and a lot of people have said very good things about it. It's the first game I bought when I bought a PS4, mm. and uh, yeah, I never. I gave up on it after two hours. So well, that's a shame. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, so I guess you won't have too much of an opinion then. I have zero opinion about that. I couldn't care less. I okay. hope that it's good for my friends that enjoy it. But uh, beyond that, that's fair. So I guess I'll just give a little bit of detail for what's going on here. So basically HBO, um, I assume a lot of this has to do with, you know, their HBO max, their stream, new streaming service that they're launching later this year. Uh, I think June is when it's supposed to launch or something like that. So they've been working on a lot of stuff. And so this is a new HBO show. It's the last of us. It's actually going to be executive produced by Neil Druckmann, who is, um, he he's on the, the games. He's one, he's the lead writer for both games, uh, and, and creative director of, of both games. So at least it's somebody who's very, um, embedded in the story in the game itself. And the story is supposed to cover the first game. Um, of, there's some rumors that maybe it'll cover some of the content in the second game, but they're keeping that quiet since that's not out yet. Um, so I wouldn't imagine we'll see this until next year anyway, but uh, that's pretty much what that is. But I guess you, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to I'm it. I'm excited but, that you're excited you know, about it. Uh, Ray actually cosplayed one of the clickers from the game very early on in our friendship. Mm -hmm. If you remember that, I do remember yeah, that. Yeah. So. That was a, that was a really fun uh, convention we went to all together. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So like she's, she's, you know, into it from that standpoint, she watched me play the whole game. Um, it was one of the first games I got for PlayStation four. Cause they had a remastered one. And so um, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go back and play the left behind DLC at some point. I keep telling myself, but you know, who knows? Maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. All Eric, right, so you don't actually play games that uh, people that you want to play. You play like one third of the games that you want to play. I try, man. and it's usually like 
eight to ten years after the game is released <laughs> or more. Hey, right now I'm playing a game that is only five years old. Yeah, but then after so... that you're playing well. After that, then you're playing Doom, which just came out. But then you're after that you're playing a game <laughs> that was too. 1998 or well, oh yeah, if you're playing the second one, it's but it's well, still ten years old. Yeah, I mean I, I skip around a little bit. I did just play Borderlands three, and you know we still play because we forced you to together. Yeah, you didn't force me to. I didn't I mean, have to play it. You didn't have to, but you're you know. going to be not very good friend if you didn't buy into it. Wow. Wow. I we never bought gonna... into it. It's not for me. It's just not. Whatever. You have but fun. I love you guys. But yeah. I digress. Whatever. So you are a fan of James Wan, though. Yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah. So let's like talk about stuff. that. Let's talk about that. So he is apparently going to be working with Universal on some monster movies. So The Invisible Man, the new Invisible Man, just came out, hit theaters, pretty well received. I have not seen it yet, so I have zero opinion. But the trailer looks really cool. It can't beat Hollow Man. I think it could definitely beat Hollow no, Man. No, it doesn't have Kevin Bacon in it. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't can't seen do it, it yet. Maybe there's a cameo. cameo. <laughs> yeah, he's actually the Invisible Man the whole time, and we never know because he's invisible. Uh, Hollow Man, I, I will say the effects in Hollow Man actually hold up pretty well. We have talked about that before, but yeah, yeah I think Hollow Man does hold up in some respects. Um, but yeah, so there's there's um, Universal owns basically the monster verse, right? The classic movie monsters, the mummy, Frankenstein, the invisible man, that type of Dracula, thing. Dracula. Yeah. Um, and they tried to kind of kickstart what they were calling the dark universe back when they did Tom Cruise's The Mummy. And we covered that on the show. Um, that didn't do so well, box office wise. Um, and so that was kind of put on hold. And now they've got this new one, this The Invisible Man. It's kind of a new take on the film, uh, a new take on the on the character. And so they're bringing in James Wan. And it's seem, the, the chirping is that it's going to be a Frankenstein movie. That would be his first one. So my question, Ryan, would be what would you want to see out of that movie? If anything, I wouldn't want to see him do Frankenstein. Really? I would want to see him do Creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, he he was did Aquaman, right? Yes. And the parts where he where where they were like in the deep or whatever the that is going to make a spin off of. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that was some of the coolest parts in the movie. So I think that that he would do a really good job with the Creature from the Black Lagoon movie. But that's I mean, true. If he's going to do Frankenstein. I think it'll be fine. He's a good director for horror movies. Um, so I think that's a good start if they're going to keep trying to do this universe. Uh, that's probably their bet. He's as good of a bet. I mean, other than Sam Raimi or some of the other classic horror directors, I mean, James Wan is a good good choice for that. That's fair. Um, I agree with you on the, the creature from the Black Lagoon. I think he would do a really good job at that. It's interesting because you know, no one's ever really remade that in any legitimate sense. And yeah, with how prosthetics and makeup and CGI have come, you know, that would be a one that's apt for this time think period. So, and it's, it, you know, the concept is relatively simple. So it's weird that no one's really tried to adapt it before. Uh, so for anyone who's just joining us uh, on our live stream here, yeah, Ray, Ray is out this week. Um, she is not feeling well, so she'll be back with us in uh, a couple of weeks. We're, we're going to miss the next two weeks for various reasons. Uh, catch the beginning of the episode for that. But, we'll but don't back. worry. I'm still here. Your favorite host. That's so. right. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that they've never they've never redone the creature from the Black Lagoon. And I think that that could be really cool. I wonder if maybe because of the trench movie that maybe, maybe they don't want to touch that because they are very two I mean, different studios. Yeah. But the designs are very similar and okay. You know. So then it's just a race to see who can get theirs out first. Yeah, that's true. 
I don't think I want either company it's gonna racing be like to put their a movie Bugs out. Life and, and Ants. <laughs> Except that there's no Pixar in this fight. It's DC Entertainment, which has a, a mediocre track record at best right now. And then Universal, who the last time they tried to do this kind of bombed failed miserably so i'm not gonna say that because i I'm actually don't, say that i don't think the mummy was that bad well from a box office standpoint yeah. failed miserably they did yeah. so you can agree with that i can okay yes. it's numbers so <laughs> it's you not, can't really argue that it is numbers that's that's definitely true um okay so the only other thing that i really want to touch on is the new mutant stuff so this is really weird and that's why i want to spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about this movie because I'm still not convinced it's ever going to get released at this point. Honestly, it's a legitimate concern, you know. Um, so this movie was supposed to be released like in 1993 or, or something like that, and uh, so there are all these rumors of reshoots, and they were like reshot most of the movie, and then when they were finally releasing it, it was no, this is the director's original vision, and they they're not using all the the new stuff. Now it's come out that there weren't reshoots at all of any kind no pickups nothing because of the acquisition so like that's the reason right that disney basically made fox put it on ice while they worked out the details so i guess they just never bothered to go back to it because the kids aged is that the real makes sense i I mean it's been years yeah Uh, it only at the time it only been like two years maybe two years is a long time when you're talking 20 year old people so I don't know. That's really weird. It just seems odd to me that they just they never did anything, not even pickups. I mean, because that's like every movie gets those. True. You know, like I think part of the thing that everybody latches onto the media, you know, the movie fan sites and stuff like that always make this big dramatic thing about every movie doing reshoots and every movie's going to fail because they had to reshoot 14 percent of the movie or some ridiculous thing and the only one that i can think of in recent memory where that's actually been the case is uh justice league oh yeah yeah um beyond that like they've said reshoots for several marvel movies uh several dc movies and it's always been this huge negative blast all over the internet and so it I stopped listening to that stuff. So when, you know, when this news came out, I kind of, I mean, I read the article eventually after you guys talked about it a little bit, but, um, I, I just don't look at reshoot crap anymore because people always make it into this huge thing. And obviously they didn't want to pour money into this movie, you know, knowing that they weren't super confident into it, into the quality of it. Um, so I don't know. If it comes out, it's basically going to be a net gain for Disney because the, uh, the Fox spent all the money. Of course, they acquired all that debt. But Well, see, but this is where it gets weird, though, because they have to advertise it now. If they had just let it fade into non-existence, yeah, they would be out the cost of the film, but that would basically be it. I think they're banking on making more money than the advertising costs. And maybe they will, but it just then it begs the question of why did they put it on hold to begin with when it was a movie with kids that didn't even get the more basic stuff? Because to your point movie schedule reshoots it's part of the normal production schedule you know and um you know it's the 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 normal term is you know for the basic stuff is the pickups it's alternate takes it's different lines it's oh we didn't get this we didn't get that let's go back in and get it and that's that they could have still allowed those things to happen it seems like by disney's like they basically shot themselves in the foot by putting a movie filled with adolescents on hold and that just seems like an odd decision. I don't think they care. I think they. I mean, the advertising is going to be not very much because this is. I mean, they 
they don't want to invest anything into this. They just want to make some money back out of the debt that they yeah. bought when they bought Fox. And, you know, what when does it come out? April? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Early how many April. how many uh, TV commercials have you seen for it? Well, I don't How many YouTube advertisements have you seen for it? None. Exactly. Zero YouTube. I don't I don't have cable, so I can't say there, but zero on yeah. YouTube. And th- I mean, that's so that tells you right there that they don't really care that much about yeah, April movie. 3rd so we're only a few weeks away yeah so they're not gonna b- put money into advertising they're just gonna try and make some money back off this and I mean even if they only make five million dollars opening weekend then that's that's a net gain for them so <laughs> you know why not all right fair enough okay well so um I think that's it then for news and so I think we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we'll be talking about Constantine on its 15th anniversary we'll be right back recently on the heroes podcast network echo station well what's the main what's the main planet that indoor the forest moon of indoor it's a moon so it's there's a major planet obviously that it is the forest moon of indoor is indoor the actual planet then see isn't that confusing (laughs) is it the forest moon of the planet indoor or is it the forest moon called indoor kaiju curry house because I'm just wondering, are Pokemon kaiju? They are pocket monsters. They are pocket monsters, Paul. They're, pocket, they're monsters, yeah, aren't they? But, they're um, just, so... They are yokai, officially. <laughs> yokai. Yeah, so, um... What's like... a yokai? Screen heroes. If the MCU gets that, then I really think that Space Jam needs to be part of the DCEU. Yes! Okay, because... <laughs> they have a big Marvel versus DC <laughs> crossover where Air Bud takes on... Space Jam. Man, we should write for these companies. <laughs> That's what it comes, it's Air Bud versus Bugs Bunny. That's, That's what it's right. all come down to. One on one. Yes. Done. <laughs> all right. And then, like, at the end, it's Galactus versus LeBron James. And oh, Squirrel Girl wins. <laughs> Red shirts and runabouts. Something we've talked about before, and other people have, but there's, there's so much of real-life history involved with Star Trek. From Gene Roddenberry's days, his time in the military as, as on, on a bomber pilot, as a bomber crewman, you know, James Doohan serving, all these people and all these real life events that have impacted things. That's very realistic of political and military leaders kind of resigning in protest at a decision they can't control. Subscribe today at heroespodcast.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and more. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We are back and we are here to talk about Constantine. 
Constantine, Constantine. This is the 2005 Keanu Reeves Constantine movie, not the Matt Ryan TV show or any other incarnation of the character. Um, So a little bit of history. So this movie came out, like I said, in 2005. Um, It was February 18th, so we're a couple weeks after its 15th anniversary. Um, Just to get the the boring stuff out of the way here, it was a $75 million budget, um, and it opened with about $30 million. Um, for its domestic, and then it ended its total box office run with $221 million. That was its total complete worldwide run. Um, for the record, it does beat Green Lantern as far as box office, but it comes in below Batman and Robin. Um, so it uh, it comes in at number 20 all-time DC film grossing. That's that's where it comes in at number twenty five, so not uh, not great. Directed by Francis Lawrence and starring you know Keanu Reeves. That's right. So um, one thing I'm going to need from you, Ryan, is some comparison because I've only seen Matt Ryan's version when he's done crossover stuff with the CW. I didn't actually watch mm-hmm. his show, um, but so my did my, you ever watch Justice League Dark animated? Yes. Oh yes, because we reviewed that actually. Yes, I remember that. Uh, so I've seen animated versions of him. I've barely seen um, anything else live action. This is really all that I had was the Keanu Reeves one. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of kicking things off with this movie. Um, spoiler free. Nah, it's fifteen years old. Spoilers. This is just let's just go into it. Um, what are your initial thoughts on the movie? if you can remember when you first saw it compared to now or just when you were refreshing? Oh, I really liked it when I first saw it. Um, I didn't understand why it wasn't a bigger movie than it, than it was. Yeah. Um, it kind of kicked off uh, my interest in the character. I didn't really know anything about Constantine. I knew about Swamp Thing. I didn't really know about their relationship. Of course, you don't see that in the movie or anything, but no. um, as far as comics and, and animated go, um, yeah, I really liked it. Um, I've always liked the props and like set designs from the movie. Um, and so those have kind of stuck with me. Um, but yeah, for just 15 years ago, I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I'm pretty much with you. I always, I, even now looking back on it, I still think it's weird that people don't talk about this movie much anymore. Cause I think it still holds up pretty well. Um, especially like that opening uh, the opening exorcism with the, the, the mirror demon thing. Mm-hmm. Like I still think that looked pretty damn good. I thought that was a pretty great scene. Um, overall the movie shot in a really cool way. I really liked the framing and the cinematography used in a lot of these scenes, just the kind of unique angles. Like when he puts the cigarette down on the, on the dresser and you've kind of got it from that perspective, it's shots like that, that are just not your standard, your standard blockbuster type cinematography. I just think it's really unique. The colors were really cool. Um, it's just, it's got a lot of heaviness to it. Like the whole movie feels really heavy. Uh, and this is, you know, so it's 2005. So the matrix trilogy's over. You've already got a couple Spider-Man movies, you know? And uh, so things are like Batman begins yet or no. What year did that come out? Uh, after that, so six, I think, oh, okay. seven, maybe. Um, and Iron Man's 08, right? So we don't have Iron Man so yet. So you haven't really gotten any of like the realistic, gritty kind of, you know, street level type. No, I mean, it's really you had your first two Spider Man movies and then this one, 
Yeah, this is really what you have. This is X-Men movies, but... Right. Yeah, there are the, the X-Men movies. That's true. Everyone's in black leather and all that. That's true. Yeah. Brian Singer. It's a good, that's a good point. So that, that's, that's like your superhero stuff to go off of in the early 2000s. And this one's just... It's very down to earth. The scale is pretty small. Like, well... Well, I mean, like the the consequences are huge. Okay, right, right. But yeah, I mean, it's only heaven and hell, you know, <laughs> in, a, in an eternal war. But that's pretty small. You're right. Well, the, but but the scale of the film, it's all it's all pretty small. You don't like the locations. You don't move around a lot. There's not like massive destruction, you know, and uh, huge body count and things like that. It's, right. It's very personal. You know, it's it's Keanu Reeves. It's his character. You know, and then it's Rachel Weiss playing the 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 twins. Those are the that's like the whole thing through most of the film um and you know you get you get a few other characters here and there you know like gabriel and of course satan shows up and, and all of that eventually yeah eventually and, yeah but like the big like the the scene with the most people is you know kind of the climax gunfight and it's still only like 15 people in that room when you compare it to that's true you know a Shaun of the dead or uh or hot fuzz or something that came out later where the body count is is very large yeah, you know, things started to go off the rails. I think after this, you're probably right. Um, but what do you think about Keanu Reeves' version of Constantine versus Matt Ryan's version of Constantine? Do you mm. think this you- is this is why I had to strap on my demon busting knuckles because <laughs> going back, this is the first time I've watched this movie since it came out, um, and I was super not impressed by. Ooh. Keanu Reeves okay um which is sad because I very much like Keanu Reeves uh but I think f- in the past 15 years he's made pretty big strides in his acting abilities and That's the true. way he approaches roles when you look at like John Wick he went training for months and months and months um handling firearms doing you know tactical exercises things like that three gun training and uh you know this movie Man, and I don't know that it was a hundred percent on him. There was some really cringy writing. Also, I want I want to bring up one scene in particular that stuck out with me as a terrible scene. Okay. Um. Well, at least a very big part of it was a terrible scene. So when they're getting ready to, when he's getting ready to like dunk her in the water, mm-hmm. um, and she's like to to get her to send her to hell or whatever she wants to see or whatever, and. uh and she's like, do I need to have my clothes off for this? There's like this 15 seconds <laughs> of just awkwardness where he's just like staring at her boobs. Yeah. I think that was supposed to be flirting. That's the thing, okay? Because <laughs> But it's not. In the, in the comic books and something that Matt Ryan does really well is John Constantine is supposed to be a scamp, like a flirty, uh, pansexual... Um, smooth talking scoundrel, essentially. If you think Han Solo of the uh, of, of the, the DC universe, well, of the like, yeah, demons slaying variety. Uh, he he's supposed to be very smooth with the ladies. He did not come across that way at all. He's supposed to be a playboy kind of uh, like Batman. If Batman had no morals and was liter- well, morals beyond like. I don't know. That's a it's a weird <laughs> comparison to make, but like if he if he was just unscrupulous about the way he talked to people. Um well this movie is kind of weird cuz it's it's almost the opposite of an origin story cuz it's almost like he's already been John Constantine for a long time. Right? And this is him on the way out. And so I 
it, it felt like at this point he had done all of those things and ever and had just been completely burned out on existence and had been just so focused on earning his way back into heaven that nothing else mattered anymore. And I don't know that that was a good creative decision for the character because, you know, like for comparison's sake, doing the older Batman with Ben Affleck's version, the, you know, the Dark Knight Return style Batman kind of only works because we've seen so much Batman right. over the years that you have context for what he was like. And then what he's like now. And I think that that's an important comparison for Constantine. I think for a lot of people like both of us, that was our introduction to the character. Yeah. And if that's maybe that's why a lot of people didn't gravitate towards it, because like, well, if this is what he's like. He's kind of a downer. It's also, like you said earlier, just a super heavy movie. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's dealing with pretty large consequence stuff in general. Mm -hmm. The justice league or the uh, justice league dark always is, but I don't, he, he always is very light about everything and makes a joke out of everything. Um, not everything, but he, he's very light in general. He's, he's kind of more of the comic relief of the, um, justice league dark, you yeah. know, in terms of like, he, he's not, talking about the consequences of the end of the world in a very serious manner. He's joking about this because he doesn't care. His soul is gone. You know, he's signed it off to somebody else. Uh, he knows he's going to hell. Um, and he's, he is constantly working towards not being that. It, well, not always, <laughs> not constantly. But. Yeah. He, <laughs> he has his moments like in this movie, he's working towards that. But then a lot of the time he's just jaded to the whole thing. And I kind of like the more jaded, Constantine that's just doing it because that's what he does. Yeah, some levity would have been nice because, I mean, it is... You know, we're talking about how heavy the, the whole point is, but he's also just very heavy. Yeah. Right? He's literally dying the entire the movie. movie. Yeah. And Killing himself, mm -hmm. essentially. And it's, it's weird. It's kind of strange because that almost is in conflict with what they tell us the whole point is like he's trying to to basically earn himself into heaven, win himself into heaven by by sending back enough demons, right? But he's also killing himself. He's dying from something that was within his control, which was the smoking. And you would think that if he's trying to earn his way into heaven, he'd want to give himself as much time as possible to do that. So it's almost like those two things are in conflict with each other. Sure. But I mean, it, he's kind of always had that conflict. You know, he's in the comics. He's always a smoker. Oh, he, it's a totally. huge part of his yeah. character. And that he just doesn't care. It, 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 I think it's to build the character to character to the point in the show. He just doesn't care what happens to him because his soul is already so far gone. So to that point, what does this movie do? It ends up taking away the smoking yeah. at the end of the film. And don't get me wrong. When he pulls out the stick of gum and he starts chewing it, it's a cute moment. And I chuckle. I did a not bit. like that. But when you think about, think about it for more than a couple of seconds you know it's it's constantine and he no longer smokes and it is a really key part of his character because it's not good for you like yeah. that's actually kind of the point now um and maybe that was the point during creation i don't really know i guess right but um i just thought that that was kind of a weird thing to take away you finally get him to almost be that character that 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 he is and then you take away one of the more iconic things about him I, I did like the way that they handled the smoking in general. That he didn't like hold back. He was smoking in the hospital. He was smoking at <laughs> all these places, and that like when you look at the Matt Ryan show, the Constantine show, they couldn't really show smoking on TV. There's something about There's it, so rules, yeah. it was all illusions. He'd have a cigarette in his fingers that wasn't lit. 
or like you'd see him flipping the lighter um, or you'd see somebody knock the cigarette out of his mouth, you know, <laughs> things like that to work their way around it. Um, but so I did like the way this was handled better because they're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Was this rated R or PG-13? I think it was rated PG thirteen. You know, based I, on the content, I think that it's. I think PG thirteen is very likely. There's the, there's not a ton of violence. In and there's here. not really gratuitous nudity or anything like that in it. So, or lang. I mean, there's language, I guess, but not a lot. Yeah, it's. I'm gonna look it up here real quick, just because I like to know for my own edification. It is rated R. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. I wonder what it did to earn that. Yeah, it must have more than one fuck in the in the movie or something yeah so I guess and I'm, i guess like demon stuff is probably handled a little differently some of the overtones are ex- darker than you know a pg-13 movie generally is i mean that's that's true but For i don't like, know I, I, when we, you look at the guy i don't remember the actor's name but when he like uh is running into the gas station and is trying to drink all the liquor and can't yeah. drink it i mean that's a disturbing scene it and then is. he carves his hand yeah, it must be stuff like that. Um, you know, that's a real and suicide is a huge theme throughout the movie and it is. Know, I mean, he's committing suicide basically. His, the sister has killed herself and Constantine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's killing himself. Oh, I like, I'm the, sorry. I thought you meant the guy no, in the in the liquor store because he kind of does. Like he's influenced, but he's still killing himself. Yeah. Right, um which is terrible and a kind of a different level because he didn't understand what was going on at the same right. time. Um yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, obviously this falls heavily back on the religious undertones of Constantine, right? It's, it's very heavy on the Catholicism. And there's one particular point that I thought was really interesting, which is, you know, about having the having faith, right? Yeah. And and Constantine knows the truth, but that's different. Knowing is different right. than having faith. And I thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, there's that... That idea of, well, I know that this is the way that it is, but I don't really give a crap about it. None of it really matters, whatever. That's who Constantine (laughs) basically was, right? And that's kind of the big – his arc for the film is going from that person to at the end where he's sacrificing himself and kind of of prays, sort of. I mean – Barely. I mean, he asks for a little help. I mean, it's. I think it's as close to a prayer as Constantine was going to get in this movie. Um, but that's his. That's his arc. Right? That, that dichotomy of uh, not necessarily that. I don't really love that arc in the way it ended up. Um, but self-sacrifice is never really something that Constantine has ever. I mean, that's not a big part of his character. No. But um, the dichotomy of Constantine knowing God and knowing. Satan, Beelzebub, Lucifer, whatever, um, being around people of faith, uh, I love the way he interacts with those people always is interesting to me. And this movie did handle that really well. Um, you know, when she comes in and talks about how she, her sister wouldn't kill herself because she was a devout Catholic and you know, what happens to Catholics when they, if they kill themselves and he's rattles off this whole thing about how they go into hell and they get their skin peeled off for seven millennia or something like that. Um, and it's no, so nonchalant. Mm Mm-hmm. She has faith that that's what happens. He knows he that that knows. was what happens, and has probably seen it happening mm-hmm. to people. And uh, yeah, I mean that dichotomy they handled very well, and I really love that. In all Constantine media, is always interesting, and that's a huge part of the character for me is the interactions he has with people of faith. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good thing because I mean, 
you know, the, the whole, the whole point is, is the faith, right? So I think part of the issue here is that it's, it's one movie and it wasn't really designed to set up sequels. It wasn't trying to create a, a universe or anything like that. So they wanted a resolution for the character. And so at the end of it, he has to have some type of self-sacrifice because he has to somehow do something to undo the sin of suicide, which I don't necessarily know that those things cancel each other out. I mean, right. it's, it's not my call to make, but um, I, it is kind of an interesting thing because it, it's he helps people, you know, and I guess if as but he, it's self-serving. Most of the time, yeah, yeah, pretty much all the time. <laughs> that's that's it's like this eternal conflict that he has because yes, he's helping people, but also he's doing it to try and get his soul back, right? Essentially, so it's all self-serving. He's not doing any selfless acts in general. So yeah, I mean, and if this is a topic that interests anybody out there, I highly recommend you check out the Good Place because uh, it it deals with a lot of similar philosophical and spiritual issues uh, that I like talking about because I find it all very interesting. But uh, so let's let's talk a bit about some of the the items that are used because I, I I like a lot of the props and things of that nature too, um, specifically the. What would he call the gun that he the has? holy shotgun? The holy is a, a holy I don't know shotgun. What it's called, but well, yeah, because like the magazine makes me feel like it's not a shotgun, but the shells are clearly like shotgun shells, right? But um, I I think that gun's kind of I thought it was really cool in the moment, and then when he reloads it, I don't know where the extra magazine came from that he had all of a sudden, and that just felt a little. The magazines are a bit unwieldy, right? This thing is huge. Yeah. Did you like? Th- I don't know. Do you think that that worked? I feel like maybe something more subtle. It felt very Hellboy. Mm, yeah, I mean, the, part of the thing about Constantine is he always has these relics. Mm-hmm. And that's another part of my favorite, one of my favorite things about him is these crazy relics that are like the eye of a mummy that served <laughs> under Tutankhamun, you know, and was his, his uh, I don't know, potion maker or something. Uh, it's such random crap from history that it seems like just crap, but is cool and does stuff and um that shotgun him putting it together i don't know it worked for me and that's no more realistic than like a gun that has 700 bullets in the magazine you know <laughs> like i can suspend disbelief in a comic book movie about demons and a and a that's wager fair. between god and and lucifer uh over over the entire world um it, that he can re- he could be carrying a magazine on the back of his belt or something okay. like or in his coat or whatever. Well, I that's mean. fair. Well, so the other prop I want to talk about though is the fact that hell has its own Bible yes. that has extra, which stuff is really in. cool. That is such an interesting idea that like outside of this movie, I had never really occurred to me. You know, and I I just really like that, and it's so freaking creepy. Like when he's kind of like um, when he's unwrapping it, it's got like blood on the yeah, outside like of it. Like yeah, yeah, like it's kind of like the Book of the Dead, where it's just like it's a it's like a living thing almost. Yeah. You know, um, I just thought that was a really cool concept. It is a very cool concept, and and you know you get the beetle the the beetle uh, oh, yeah. thing, and you get the like. I can't remember what the flamethrower thing is, but dragon's breath, dragon's breath. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, that stuff is always so cool to me and they did a really good job with the props in this movie. Everything looked cool, like realistic, but stylized in a way that made it seem outlandish, mm-hmm. but just within the realm of possibility. And I loved that. And it's that has stuck with me forever. 
um since, well since the movie came out so 15 years um but yeah everything in that movie the light even the even the lighter he flicks is yeah. really cool and it looks like an ancient artifact you know it's been inscribed with runes and glyphs and things like that so yeah i mean the bible thing is cool in terms of actual props the the brass knuckles have always been my favorite <laughs> and uh you know i don't know it, it's no, just something fair. something I, I've always liked brass knuckles for some reason. It's just very visceral and very like in your face. Oh, you know, sure, yeah. a shotgun is cool, but brass knuckles, you're going toe to toe with somebody. Right. And in this case, it's a demon. And this lets you hurt that demon because of the runes and crosses and, and religious uh, things on it. I don't know. It. It's very cool. I don't see anything wrong with that either. I, I, I like the way they try to use things in, in, in different ways, right? Because, like, you also had, like, the cross in the water, so when the sprinklers went off, it was holy water. Yeah. Like, that's a cool idea. That's a very, like, that's something you could only really do in a 20th century or later kind of film, right? It's not something you could do that's set in medieval times or anything like that. And I like when you can use modern devices, modern technology, but pair them with these much older relic type concepts. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like that type of stuff. I think that's why I like the, the hell Bible kind of thing. Cause that, I guess maybe heaven then has its own and maybe it has different stuff in it or do you, I don't know. It's possible. Right. Um, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a cool idea from the, from a visual perspective. I really think most of it held up pretty well. Yeah. I didn't, I, I think Hellboy is in the same realm for, to go back to your comparison yeah. there. So, I mean, they're both demon fighting, uh, creatures from hell essentially. So I don't really have a problem with the fact that his stuff looks like Hellboy stuff, but to me, it didn't really look like Hellboy stuff other than like having religious symbols on it. Oh, I just meant more like just the shotgun specifically and just kind of its overall, like kind of size and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It was just a little over the top compared to everything else around him. I don't know because, like, it, but it was totally like maybe okay the size, but there's nothing in Hellboy that's like super shiny brass other than like the casings no, 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 no. of his gun and like it just felt a little outlandish, exaggerated maybe. I thought everything yeah. was exaggerated. I mean, <laughs> compared, but if that's if the rest of the movie is the baseline, I felt like it fell outside of that baseline a little bit. And with Hellboy, that stuff works a little bit better because he's also bigger and more outlandish, you know. So his gun is immediately larger than a gun would normally be, kind of thing. Well, I mean, Constantine put this together himself, so yeah, you with, know, with good old Shia LaBeouf in a cave with scraps. <laughs> so no, it was more the kitchen, really. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, okay, I have to admit that I completely forgot that Shia was in this movie. 
A hundred percent. Me too. Yeah. I completely forgot that character. And he was actually good. He was. The only thing I, I didn't like about his character in this, um, I actually think the one in the Constantine show was better. Um, this that version of the character I can't remember his name, but he's always with Constantine. Um, uh, but the only thing I didn't like about Shia's version is that he was constantly saying John, and it, like it, he, that was a character choice that Shia made to say John like every time he spoke, <laughs> every that sentence bothered you. It it was just a lot. Yeah. Why do you need to keep saying like it would be like if I said Derek four times in one sentence, it would seem over the top and unnecessary. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you. Chaz, that's I, his name. I'm think uh, part of me wonders if he was just trying to to blow out the character a bit because he has so little to do. Like he's given so little, and don't get me wrong, he has a nice kind of like triumphant moment where he's helping out, and then he gets like just killed immediately. Yeah. Um, they give him a redemption at the end, and that's cute. And we'll talk about that a little bit, I'm sure. But his character's pretty useless. You know, like, yeah, he drives Constantine around, and, but if you look at just the movie on its own and you forget the rest of the source material for a minute, I don't know that, that character needs to exist. No. Just give Constantine a car and be done with it, right? And so I just think he didn't have much to do. I mean, it's a cool concept. I, I feel like it would have been better fleshed out over a couple of movies. Um, yeah. In the show, it was better because Chaz was there with him throughout the season. So mm-hmm. you got a lot more character development for him. Um, and also, part of the character, and I, I don't know whether it's this way in the comic books or not, but he basically would reincarnate when he died. Um, that was his curse. And so that would have been a cool way yeah. of handling that in the movie. Of course, it would have been hard to flesh that out, but you know, in one movie... Although you could have had him die early on and then just come back and be like, that's his thing, yeah. you know, and that's then, it. Then he doesn't make the sacrifice. Right. It would have um, made the sacrifice less important. Yeah. But that's a, that's a cool concept. Though. I just, yeah, his character just doesn't really meet, need to do much because you know, then you have you have the other guy who's the relic guy who has all the knowledge, right? He's the researcher. Here's he's your who has the hell Bible. Yeah. Right. And so like, you need him because he has the knowledge. You know, and then Constantine, of course, is the one doing the stuff. Yeah, Papa Midnight is kind of your, your neutral connection to the to God and to uh, Lucifer. Okay, so let's talk about the club for a minute. Because the first time they go to the club, Constantine gets the thing wrong. But he gets it right later in the movie. And I wonder if that's because, like, symbolically, by the time he comes back, it's because he's chosen a different path. Did he get that wrong? Yeah, because Shia gets it wrong. No. Okay, you're not understanding what it is. Does it change for each person? Yes. It's a, it's a deck it of cards. It's a deck of cards yeah. with a symbol or with an image on the back that the right. bouncer can see. No, I know. And the person in front is supposed to say what is on the back of that card. And so he pulled a different card. I didn't see him pull a different card. Yeah, he pulled a different I card. it was the Shia. same card. No. He pulled a different card every time somebody came up. I didn't see him do that. Okay. Yeah, it's like a tarot deck, basically. And that's fine. If that's, I just didn't see him switch the card out, so I thought he just used the same one for both of them. No. And he got, and I thought it was on purpose. So, okay. Well, that's a bummer. All right. Well, anyway, club. Anything you want to say about it? I love I, rewatching <laughs> this. I loved that scene when he's walking into the club, walking through the club. It felt super like Constantini of of all the comic book 
you know, things that they ignored for Constantine. <laughs> this felt like someplace I could see Constantine being. They had I loved the the dichotomy of the red lighting um, versus the blue lighting in certain areas. Um, I like the idea of it being a neutral zone where you know people from hell, people from heaven. It is kind of funny because now he also had that in John Wick. Yeah. Right? So that's kind of – it's become – and, and that club is is totally similar to some of the stuff in The Matrix. So it's almost like it just evolved over those three franchises. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, Papa Midnight is a pretty big player in the comic books. Yeah. And in the show also, he was a pretty big part of the show with uh, Matt Ryan. Um, but he was handled really well. His character was really cool. Um I thought that whole thing was neat. And I loved the concept of the chair. Um, you know, I don't know. The well, fact that demons could hang out there and it was yeah. it was okay and nobody could really do anything. Mm-hmm. It was all neat. It's neat when there's like that neutral territory place and you can see completely opposite ends of the spectrum kind of spending time near each other or even with each other. Yeah. You know, it's a cool idea. And I, I thought that, that worked well. Um, I do want to talk about hell for a little bit because when they travel to hell, it's basically wherever you are, but then like Mad Maxed out is essentially what it's like all post-apocalyptic. And then I guess like all the torturing is underground. Yeah. Right. In in I guess another matrix callback, you know, <laughs> where, where everyone is. Um, did that work for you? It was a kind weird, of it was some weird, bit, but... weird choices there. I mean, I think the worst part for me was like, there was one point when he started running and it, it looked like he was just running in place in front of a green screen. I'm sure he was. <laughs> he probably was. And it but it just looked like that. Yeah. And then then there was a scene from the opposite direction where he was actually clearly running, but there was one where it's like up close and you can see like from the waist up and he's you know doing one of these numbers and yeah, it just looks super fake. But the actual design of hell, once they went underground and you got to see yeah. like all the torture was much better, but up above where it's just like fallout, but then there's like demons sometimes that might start chasing you and it's very windy. And apparently you can carry things from there back to earth sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's where star Wars got the idea, but probably (laughs) it's just weird though. Cause like, so obviously Constantine's ability to do this is very rare. Yeah. Right. So what are those demons doing above ground? Is there like, do they need food or is that, are they hunting? What, what, what are they hunting? I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I mean, I, it's a weird question or and, like, it's a good question. It's a weird setup. It's, right. And there's like, there's shells of cars. So like, <laughs> is it like the upside down? Is that what this is? I, it, it, it seemed like it was kind of an upside down type scenario. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's what it felt like. And I'm like, I don't like it works. It works in Stranger Things because the idea of it is like it's kind of like a parallel reality. But, but this, also it's a huge plot point in Stranger Things. Hell right. is just a place and that this, Constantine can go in this movie. And it could look like anything. Yeah. And obviously it looked better than, say, Spawn. Right. But, you know, it, it it was just kind of a weird design choice for it to just be the the apocalyptic version of wherever you are. I don't yeah. Know. I just thought that was a little strange. But glad it wasn't I just me. No, I mean, I liked it originally in 2005 but yeah going back and rewatching it i wasn't a huge fan of the design okay fair enough yeah i thought that was that's definitely the weakest visual area of the movie yeah most of the demons and stuff looked really cool the one when he that's like basically made of bugs and beetles that was a really cool scene yeah 
and seeing him, you know, outsmart it into getting hit by a car and it just splatting on the car. Can you imagine being that guy that was driving the car? It's like oh, I just hit a giant demon made of bugs. I mean, if you don't know that, you just think you hit a bunch of bugs. But, man, that would be. Well, like, so my, my knowledge of, like, biblical demons is not strong. And so, like, I'm kind of confused by the, the structure of that demon because it was mostly bugs. But then there's, like, crabs and yeah. stuff. And, I mean, those aren't bugs. They're They're crustaceans. And so I don't know, like... I'm curious what the origin of that type of demon is, if there's anything like in religious text anywhere that talks about anything like that, or if that's just straight up a comic book concept. I did like also how they handled uh, the basically the exorcisms or like when you're trying to get the demon out of somebody that the demon is physically in that not like it's not like a soul taking over a body. It's like a physical thing inside the body. Yeah. And you can see it like in the stomach usually it seemed like in the the first exorcism and the one towards the end when he's trying to get it out well, of the, no, girl. the first one it was coming out of her neck was it yeah okay well it, I, I liked the idea that it was like a thing that you mm-hmm. could see trying to come out from underneath the skin that i thought that cool. looked really good yeah. i thought they did a pretty good job of that most of the cg was pretty good and still holds up i thought mm-hmm. other than hell but yeah, yeah. no I, I agree with you I, I think the exorcism stuff was really cool i thought they did a really nice i job always find that. that stuff interesting yeah, so that's fair um yeah, I thought that I thought that stuff was pretty cool. Gabriel was interesting. Yeah, and Tilda Swinton was really good as She's Gabriel. Yeah. yeah, this was I think my introduction to her as an actress. She probably was. This was probably pretty early on in her like career. Yes, I, I don't remember, but it very well may have been for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was great. She was believable as somebody that was an angel, a fallen angel, or how whatever kind of angel you want it to be. Her bone structure is really good for that, and the way she acted it, um, kind of you know, full of herself and I don't know that whole thing, the interaction that they had in the church, mm-hmm. um, was, was great. Yeah. She's, she's very, very good. I really like watching her and stuff and her ability to cut her, her ability to ramp up to like intense anger is just very strong. And I really liked for this character specifically at the end, when she loses her wings and John Constantine's going to win the day and everything like that, and he's going to get into heaven that she would rather die stopping him from getting into heaven than just let him be. Yeah. And like that, that says a lot about where that character is in this universe. Yeah. Um, which I thought was just like, just is very kind of crazy and telling. And then he just punches her in the face. <laughs> which, I mean, that's got to be a yeah. sin, right? Like, well, I think she was asking for it. God has a sense of humor. Uh, and then, of course, you have Peter Stormare as Satan, as the devil. Which was great casting, of course. Man, is he good. Yeah. Uh, I, I love... I wish, I mean, I get why he's not in it more and sometimes less is more, right? And that works in this case, but he's so good. It's a shame we never get to the, see. You know, it's uh, it's funny in these comic book movies that are just kind of mediocre, the Satan casting seems to be really good. And all like, the, I can't remember who it was in Ghost Rider, but I remember in Ghost Rider, the Satan casting was really good also. And it's, I mean, there's just specific actors that'll knock that out of the park, and and God, because you get Morgan Freeman like <laughs> as God in uh, uh, Bruce Almighty. And yeah, so, totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's uh, 
apparently being God or being Satan is something that certain actors can just really nail. And yeah, he was great. So good. I, I, I love that scene where the two of them are interacting with each other. I think it's so great. I when love he's that- like making fun of him after having cut wrists, which yep. is super morbid that he so can't dark. flip his lighter. Yeah. But he, he does help him. He yep. helps him light the cigarette. He gets one more cigarette. And, um, you know, I, the only, the only kind of like plot issue I have there is I, I'm not sure I really understand why the devil cares if his son completes his mission. I don't really know what that does for him. Like, why does the devil put a stop to the plan? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure they sell that well. You know, he's wonderful. I'm just not sure that the plot really explains no, right. that. You know, because you'd think the devil would be fine with it. What does he care? Sure. You know, so. <laughs> well, I mean, it ruins the game a little bit. The whole like eternal struggle, doesn't it? Yeah, but does he really want that? I feel like God wants that, but wouldn't he? Re- doesn't isn't the whole point of Satan really to want to kind of win that war eventually? Sure, but not by cheating. I Is mean, it cheating? I thought that was the whole point. Was that they were basically cheating and and trying to push push humans to one side, essentially. I get. I mean, yes, but again, it's the devil. So does the devil care about such things? I mean, he's cared for the entirety of humanity up until this point. So I don't see why he would all of a sudden stop caring. He's a bad guy, but he's an honest bad guy, right? <laughs> uh, and I actually like that take on the devil, okay, right? right? Like where he's where he's uh, you know he's a bad guy, but. He, has standards right there's a line there's there's a code right and yeah. i like you know john wick for all intents and purposes is a bad guy Oh, totally yeah, yeah. right i mean it, there's been a lot of movies where where it's a, the main character is a bad guy that just has standards and does it a certain way well i think that makes a good villain because when you when you remove all codes all standards then anything could happen at any time for any reason and that's I, why i'm not excited for carnage in venom too because Ven- carnage is a character that j- literally just kills people and does for no reason just because he feels like it and you're right um maybe they'll tweak that a that's bit that's kind of going off off topic yeah, but it yeah is, it is, that, yeah. that that's a good point though yes it does make it a lot easier to care about the character when they have a set of standards and it, based on his interaction with constantine it does seem like mm-hmm. he has some standards so i mean that isn't too outlandish to me that he wouldn't want to cheat but it, Fair enough. it is funny that the entire plot is based on a essentially a game a mm-hmm. bet yeah between god and lucifer but it's an age-old bet i mean lots of other uh fictional mediums have talked about this bet you know and but uh, it's just such a like a bet if me and you made a bet that's such a small thing mm-hmm. but it encompasses the entirety of humanity in this case well, right everything like, we're doing is affecting yeah. that bet. that that is great it's I like trading that. places but darker yeah exactly <laughs> pretty much one dollar um, wow <laughs> oh man that's a great movie for a whole separate group of reasons um so there is a post-credit scene is there i, didn't, this I didn't watch for it there is um and it's not much it doesn't set up a sequel it's um it's at a uh, cemetery constantine is at chaz's gravestone and he puts his lighter on the headstone and says you did good kid and as he's walking away, Chaz like flies away as a, as an angel, I guess, pr- you know, showing that he was saved and all that kind of stuff. And I like that should have been in the movie, probably. Maybe, maybe it should have been. I liked, I, I liked the scene. I thought it was a good. scene. I don't think I've ever seen that scene. Yeah. So. Um. I. What's interesting about it though is you know so there's all this talk about what a you know who, you know post credit scenes right and everyone thinks movies are copying Marvel now when they do a post credit scene. Right. 
But, you know, this is just another example. We've had lots of movies like, you know, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Uh, they were doing it long before long, Marvel. Right, yeah. yeah. And this one, again, three years before Marvel, another post credit scene. And I like it. It's a good scene, and it's not really universe building, but it does add a little something to the story. Right. You know, some closure for a character. It's a nice moment kind of thing. And, um, you know, if they had done a sequel, then you could have had had Shia come back as Angel Chaz, and that yeah. would have been fine, right? So, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. That's Wish I would have known about that. I would have watched it. Sorry. It's okay. I should probably, after 15 years, it's my own fault, I guess. <laughs> I wonder how many people actually know that there's a post credit scene there. I don't know. Did you know? I had forgotten. And I had left the credits rolling and I had left the room for a minute. And then Ray's like, come, you know, come back in here or whatever. She had paused it and we rolled it back and we watched it because she was just on her phone. So, but, you know, interesting. I had forgotten that there was one, but because, you know, it, it's not the kind, it's such a standalone film. that It just didn't really occur to me that they would do that. And it's not, a, it's more like a Ferris Bueller post credit scene where it's not setting up a sequel. Right. You know, which is what everybody expects now. Right. So then this is my final question that I have for you. Given the state of the DCEU today, Shazam, Aquaman, Wonder Woman 1984, you've got Birds of Prey. Do you think this Constantine could or should exist in this DCEU, bringing Keanu back? Or do you think they should just start with somebody else, Matt Ryan or somebody else? What do you think? If I'm basing it on this movie and this this movie alone... And not what I know of Keanu Reeves since this movie has come out. No, no, I, I, it's. I mean, he's the actor at the end gosh, of the day. So. It's tough. I mean, I, he would probably be better than he was in this movie. But man, I just try and think of like Matt Ryan or a character that's more true to the comic books coming in and talking to Harley or talking to any of the Birds of Prey or Wonder Woman the way that uh, Constantine in the comics would. I don't see Keanu, uh, his version of Constantine, doing that. And I think that would be a huge opportunity wasted because it's such the comic book version is such a different character yeah. um, to what we got and such a different foil to all the characters that we have in the DCEU so far. So I don't know. It's I, I could go either way. I wouldn't be upset if they said that he's coming back. I don't know that I would prefer it, though. So I think that's where I am because I love Keanu Reeves. Me too. And I agree with you. I think he's only gotten better since then as an actor. And, by leaps and bounds yeah. i'll add for me and so i th- I, th- I think that like i'm like oh cool he's coming back but at the same time i think you're right that this character is so so much a departure from every other version of constantine that and i'm he's aware not of that different like he's just a guy right yeah. you know the, the his personality is not that different from any other like batman or anybody else he's a very dark character jaded at what he does so you well, know by the end of the movie he's a little changed right it's so like is he though to, well, yeah, we see him chew the gum. That's literally all we get. We don't know that he changed. Well, the beyond interaction that. between him and uh, and Weiss is is a, a lighter reaction interaction. Excuse me. It's, there's some more levity in there, but I mean, I, but 15 years has passed now, right? So they have to kind of fill in those gaps, I guess, unless they want to change when the movie took place. I, don't, I mean, who knows, right? Or remove that movie from continuity. I guess they could. Yeah, yeah. Because um, then you have to deal with, well, does he just not smoke anymore? Maybe he vapes now. How about that? Oh, Should no. Constantine vape? <laughs> no. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. Uh, I agree with you, though. I, I don't think it's going to be it, it or should necessarily be Matt Ryan. It's not I, going to be Matt Ryan. I can I can flat out say that. In fact, if you're in the group, <laughs> you know that I said this week or last week, at some point I said that if Matt Ryan gets cast as the DCEU Constantine in the movies, 
that I would eat a sock live on air. That's true. And I will do that, but I won't do that because it's not going to happen. happen. No, not in a million years. And you can argue with me, at me all you want, but it's not going to happen. And just because he was in the or the crossover happened and there was a movie character in there, come on, guys. Like, But there's still two different versions of the characters. Yeah. You still have the movie character and the TV character. Yeah. I don't mind if they do little cameos now and then. That's right. That's but fun, never, none but of those characters are going to cameo into the movies. Probably not, no. It's just going to be like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where you have movie characters cameo yeah. into the show, but you never have show characters coming at cameo in the no, movies. I, I'd be shocked. Absolutely shocked. Um, so, yeah. Just I give ex- it a new actor. I mean, Matt Ryan's great, so I wouldn't be mad, but just put a new actor in there and something that's more comic book accurate, like Matt Ryan's take on it, mm-hmm. and I'd be I'd be happy as punch. Yeah. I mean, even the guy in Doom Patrol was fine. Yeah. Yeah. He's so, a little weird, but yeah. I mean, not as good as Matt Ryan, no. but... You know, and he wasn't really Constantine, but yeah, well, he was Constantine knockoff. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he was fine. <laughs> All right. Well, we are actually over time, so we should wrap things up. Uh, so, again, just kind of repeating a couple of things. We are not going to have our panel at Planet Comic Con. I'm sorry, but you can visit Ryan at his Buster Props booth all weekend at planet comic con so please go do that say hi and buy stuff from him that's right especially Um, the buy stuff part we are uh taking the next two weeks off but then we will be back and from this after this episode we will be doing our live streams from our facebook forum so facebook.com slash groups slash screen heroes join us there live tuesday nights at 9 p.m eastern 8 central for our live streams yes midnight pearl is our one guy or girl, I don't know who you are, but you're the only person that, well, not the only person, one of very few people that ever come into the live stream. So we'll always talk to us in the live on stream. Twitch. So you need to understand, we're not going to be doing this on Twitch anymore. Yes. I'm sorry. And I would I would do it just for you, but Derek is making the decision. He's being the bad guy and doing it. So a terrible person. please join the Facebook group. Uh, even if you're not on Facebook, make a fake profile or something. Yep. Join the Facebook group and and come watch the live stream there because we don't want to lose you. You can pick your favorite superhero um, alter ego to create right. your fake exactly. Facebook profile. Uh, but yeah, I mean the reality is we just we we have interactions daily on on Facebook and we just think this might be a better medium for us to communicate with people and chat with people live during the show. So that is our plan, uh, at least you know to try it out and see how that goes and hopefully it goes well. But uh, of course, Ryan's at Buster Props. Uh, Ray is at Siren Ray. I am at the Star Trek dude. We are the Screen Heroes podcast. You can find us at Screen Heroes Pod on Twitter or HeroesPodcasts.com. Our show is on tons of podcast platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, you name it. Uh, we have a link tree in our show notes that has a buttons for all of our links to make it really easy for you. So go and check that out. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere and you tell us where, uh, we will read your review live on the show. As long as it's not completely inappropriate. And if it is completely inappropriate, I'll read it on the show. (laughs) So uh, go ahead and do that. Thank you all for tuning in. We will be back in a couple of weeks. We'll catch you then. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.